The Film Comment Podcast from Sundance is sponsored by Autograph Collection Hotels. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. Hello and welcome to the Film Common Podcast, coming to you live from the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. We are podcasting from the Hotel Park City, part of the Autograph Collection Hotels, uh, which allows us a very civilized place to podcast from, as opposed to the usual crouching and huddling in spaces between theaters and little antechambers and crowded cafes. So we're quite happy to be here. We being me, uh, Nick Rapold, Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment, and... Eric Hines, Curator of Film at Museum of the Moving Image and Film Comment Columnist. Very good. <laughs> a couple takes on that one. A couple of takes to get that title right. And today is a special day for the festival because screenings have begun. We're off to the races. We have the opening night film, Private Life, was tonight, uh, and we saw that. And we saw a couple of documentaries as well. But I think we're just going to dive into things with that opening night film. Sure. By the way, who's pronounced Tamara Jenkins? Not Tamara. Yeah, it seemed that way, yeah. And everybody kept saying Tamara. I was like, ooh. Tamara. But I think that that's correct. That's I, correct. I, I feel bad for 20 Tam- years of not Tamara. knowing that's how it's pronounced, but it's yeah. Tamara. Anyway. Yeah, Tamara, Tamara. <laughs> uh, Tamara Jenkins, uh, her return uh, after a number of years since Savages. Mm-hmm. Eric, would you like to give a brief pre Oh, boy. Uh, so it's Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti play a couple. Uh, a New York couple. A New York couple. Artists, academics, sort of. Writers. Writers, a playwright and a writer, yeah. Bohemian um, creative bohemian types. Bohemian creative types uh, who are trying to have a baby. And uh, they're a little bit older and are struggling and are, are sort of in the midst of several different uh, tactics to try to have a baby, either through um, medical means or adoption or surrogacy. And they're kind of trials and tribulations of that. And th- within that, they... The relation is actually hard to pin down. A, a young woman who is semi-related to one of them, right? It's sort of like the... It's like a step-niece. A step-niece um, who is also a, a bohemian, young bohemian, comes and stays with them, and they have a great relationship predating the film's events. And uh, not to give too much away, but she becomes embroiled willingly in their attempts to have a baby, um, and some complications ensue. Does, yeah. that, does that sound about right? That's very fair, and, and I don't think there are any spoilers there given how many people are in the movie <laughs> and the genders of each of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the way it goes, and it is a winding story, perhaps <laughs> a long-winded story. First well, impressions. First impressions. Because that is what these are, our first impressions. This film ended half an hour ago. Yeah, this film ended half an hour ago, so it is is fresh in our brains. So instead of churning out some 800-word review at the moment, we're just going to (laughs) chat. We're just going to, yeah, we're going to treat you, the audience, like our cinema therapist (laughs) as we chew over these 
thoughts, so-called thoughts we have. Initial impressions, it's an often charming movie, mm -hmm. but it's also a pretty shaggy movie. Mm -hmm. And I was touched by the clear fondness that uh, the director has for, I mean, it's not especially for the, for the younger character, the, the step-niece, um, and, and the, the kind of fidelity to the, to Catherine Hahn's character, who's like kind of a, you know, let it all hang out. Mm -hmm. It's just very, just very open about letting her express all her frustration and all her anger mm -hmm. without really making her a butt of a joke. I thought, you know, no, she I just, that's right. um, and, and I, I was, I was kind of touched by that. Um, and so those are the positive sides of it. Paul Giamatti is full Giamatti in this movie. <laughs> the full Giamatti. Uh, the full Giamatti. Um, and, you know, and there are one-liners and such. It looks very nice. Um, mm -hmm. No, it does, actually, yeah. Yeah. We were, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was actually a little bit taken with how handsome it is and how mindfully it's shot and framed, um, considering it's the sort of of script that doesn't necessarily call for that or you can get i've seen a lot of films that, not that there are films of this ilk necessarily but there's a films of describing that plot you could imagine there might be something kind of pedestrian about its 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 visual strategy and i actually yeah. think that it's quite creatively yeah. made yeah i i agree and and pretty well the pretty well detailed production design as well indeed of, of their apartment which is purportedly on avenue a um. <laughs> so, so you're saying that it's well designed with interiors, a, interiors. Yeah. yeah. But you know, that's movie magic. <laughs> they, I mean, that was one little pet peeve. I don't know. Just that they're very concerned about letting us know the, all the details of their New York intellectual milieu. They're dropping names like tin house. Sure. Um, they go at one point, two characters go to anthology film archives, although they then blow this reference by, for some reason, adding a marquee to uh, anthology. I don't it, know why. They courted us, and then they left us at the altar. Yeah, it was an unforced error. I do not know why that happened. They wanted gritty, but not too gritty. But anyway. But a lot of references to gentrification, gentrification. And gentrification as discussed by, you know, successful you know, white bohemians, which I think was actually smart. Like there, you can, it's a little bit grating because there's, you know, it, it, which is rather, you know, probably for the two of us quite familiar, the sort of ways of talking about gentrification by people who have been forces of gentrification within their lives. So there's kind of something knowing and unknowing about the way they talk about it at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot, a lot of sort of conversation to, to, to place us in, in where, in, in their milieu of New York. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I guess, of course, this is probably, you know, this is probably just details around the main narrative, which is this struggle to conceive, which becomes almost a struggle to define themselves or to assert a kind of confidence about where they are. Although they don't press that point too hard, really. They seem to be doing okay. They don't, they don't have like throwaway lines about how I haven't gotten this or that published. I mean, Catherine Hahn's character is a little frustrated because... Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't seem to be doing as well as her stepniece, relatively speaking, in terms of uh, where they are when they, you know at being at that particular point in their career. Um, right. But uh, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, we, we, I should, it's, we should say. I mean, exactly. It is two hours fifteen minutes. Yeah. Or so. we, yeah. You got to say that it's it is that, and it's a comedy. It's definitely a comedy. But even even with that and the charm and 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 the you know fun writing. 
which isn't like overly clever either. Like I feel yeah. like people are generally speaking as themselves rather than like, I don't want to like put down a Nicole Hall of Center movie or something, but there's not like a, right. It's not hyper stylized, hyper stylized or, or no. smug. Not that there's something, not something wrong with that, but it would have felt wrong in here. It's funny. I mean, you said you called it shaggy and I think that that's quite yeah. right. And sometimes that's a term that is a real, I, I find that a real positive term sometimes. And in this context, it feels not necessarily so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost amazing that it has, that the movie has such a consistent texture, but at the same time feels like it really needed another pass yeah. in, in terms yeah. of editing and, and condensing and really finding where the focus is. But, no, but, it, but it's, yeah. and it's, and it's, and it's intentionally what it is because yeah. obviously it, it got, um, there, there are, I, you could argue that there are clear things that could be excised. There's yeah. a whole sort of sub, you know, uh, section of characters, um, which is Paul Giamatti's family, oh, right. his sister family. played by Molly, Sh- not her sister, sorry, his sister-in-law played by Molly Shannon. And there's a, actually a fair amount of screen time to all those figures that that would be where you would shorten a film like this. But it was clearly it's not written for that to be shortened and, and there's a commitment to, to exploring that. So it's one of these things where like we could sit here and go, Oh, well clearly they need to, they need to take 20 minutes out of that film. Doesn't need to be this long. But as a, from, from a writing standpoint, this is exactly all that Tamara wants to sort of explore with the film. So it's, it's one of these things where whether or not we're responding to it, it, it is certainly what it wants to be. Yeah. Built into that, you know, the stamina required, is is getting you to feel the frustration and like attrition of this process. Yeah, yeah. That was the opening at opening night, night film. film. Going to be know. heading to Netflix relatively soon. That's right. It's a Netflix film, and she of course has a I guess a long history of the festival, which was kind of cutely recapped and, and when she introduced the film, dating back to her you know one of her student films that was the first one she submitted, which apparently helped. Oh, interesting. Helped helped conceive, if you'll pardon the term. Uh, the short film competition here was somehow from from her original short film. Anyway, that's a bit of Sundance history. But that was Private Life. We also saw a couple of documentaries. And um, Eric, you want to begin? I'm, I, I'm describing. I'm doing all the descriptions. Oh, so, oh no, no, that's no, true. I can do Max, this description. No, I Maxim understand. Podorovkin. Is that is that? Did I say it right? I, I, I think that's as good as we're going to get <laughs> right now. Um, should we ever reveal at what time that we were recording this, or did we already do that? I think we told them last we night. We were doing this night. after midnight. It's we're after about, midnight. We're about 12.30 now. So Maxim uh, Pozdorovskin's uh, our, new, our New President, uh, which is his, uh, I believe, third feature, um, unless I'm missing one, or at least missing something I haven't seen. Uh, but he made the Pussy Riot uh, a punk prayer several years back, and the notorious Mr. Boot. And yeah, and that film he made with Tony Gerber. Uh, this one he's he's directed alone. Um, I, I guess it's a it's a found footage film that is basically um, the, the the premise is that's a term. Our new president is something that Maxim had heard being is a term he heard used uh, among certain Russian sources and kind of worked his way backwards to figure out where such a term could come from and how where that ownership comes from and it led him to basically mostly official russian tv footage of of the 
way that they had been covering Hillary Clinton over the years and the way they covered the Trump campaign and the way they've covered uh, the presidency so far in terms of misinformation, fake news, basically straight up propaganda and talking about the American situation through this sort of propagandistic lens. There's some like YouTube grade footage as well to, to flesh out, I think, a bit how much the propaganda has penetrated the populace. But yeah, for the for the most part, you're you're looking at things that you could be if you had an ambitious cable provider, you could be watching on Russian TV or on Russia Today, which is everywhere basically. RT, RT, cleverly disguised RT, much RT. like when Kentucky Fried Chicken turned into KFC, <laughs> and no one knew. No one knew. Anyway, the Autograph Collection Indie Film Project celebrates the synergy between independent film and Autograph Collection hotels. This dynamic cultural program is anchored by three key programs. Screenwriters in Residency, free indie films streamed at hotels throughout the U.S., and a portfolio of beautiful hotels in key film festival destinations. Learn more by visiting autographhotels.com. Autograph Hotels, exactly like nothing else. So I, I described it. Why don't you start talking? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, this is, I think in describing it, you also kind of found the, the pressure points in, mm. in, in, in the film. Uh, and it's... Uh, it's, it's, it's a curious film. It starts out, I mean, most of the film you're watching the way you're watching the ways, uh, and means of Russian propaganda as, you know, pervade through the news probably has to be said not too dissimilar from what Fox news does and just the consistency like on message, you know, of, of like dumping on Democrats in the same way a democratic figure is in various punching bags like Hillary Clinton, Clinton in, in their eyes. Coincidentally, it's the same for RT. Hillary Clinton is this, you know, is this villain with a pretty elaborate backstory even yeah. that uh, that is introduced and I guess partly played with in the opening sequence of the film, which which is, you know, it seems to imply that Hillary Clinton somehow acquired a curse <laughs> from on her visit in 1997 from her visit to the mummy of. I don't, I don't remember of some of a tribal woman tribal or aristocrat who was dug up at some point. I, I, it's, it's a, it's a very strange tale. It's this opening that almost reminds me of the opening of the exorcist sure. when you, you know, probably intentional yeah. and, and, and often forgotten with the exorcist. I think that, that you start off in Iraq. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and, and our new president kind of starts off in this eerie, eerie way like that before you get into this litany of this just, you know, crazy, crazily biased um, Russian news media things, which is intercut with personal YouTube testimonials and personal YouTube songs and that sort of thing. People who are praising Trump or singing about Trump. And it's it's a deep dive into, it feels like this funhouse mirror of, of like American politics. And uh, I just mixed metaphors here. I think you can <laughs> dive into a mirror unless you're in a cocteau film. Um, but they do that. And it's it's pretty chilling. I also felt it wasn't as like, you know, tightly conceived as it could be. And it, it uses one of my pet peeves, chapter headings, which I feel have become an epidemic. Mm. At first I thought just a nonfiction, but now they pop up in fiction too. Actually, Private Life had a few chapter headings that it then seemed to sort of forget about. I forgot it? about, yeah, that's and, true. And then the same thing actually happened in another movie, I saw 
today, which we'll talk about oh, in a wow. second. Okay. So right there, all the movies I've seen today, <laughs> uh, we're using chapter headings, and I find them kind of a crutch, frankly. Uh, and I don't know what they come out of, if they come out of an insecurity. I mean, at one point, they were an ironic thing that were reintroduced, where you break up things self-consciously. It's kind of a wink-wink thing. And then they just, it's just, I, I feel like they're everywhere. They kind of substitute for having actual structure through editing or pacing or pausing, uh, the same way people use song cues as a crutch. Um, and Lars, chapter, von, Lars von Trier is a huge fan. Of Lars that. von Trier is a huge fan. Of chapter it gives it can give a movie stature that von Trier uses ironically, um, but now I just feel like they're every place. So be on the lookout for chapter headings, <laughs> and tell your congressman <laughs> that one you don't want them, or two at least less of them. In conclusion, three is it the language or is it the existence of the chapter? It's the existence of the chapters because I think it's it's a way of of, of of d- dividing up the movie into these bites instead of actually finding a way of doing that through the editing or through the composition. Mm. Not to say that things aren't going on on either side of a chapter heading, but I don't know. It also gives it a veneer of thoughtfulness that it may or may not have in the same way that, you know, starting 10, 15 years ago, everyone suddenly was making trilogies. The first film that they were making was actually part of a trilogy they right. just remembered. Right. And then all of a sudden they become an auteur because they were conceiving this great thing. Right. Right. So I don't know. I'm not saying everyone is doing that with chapter headings, but it's a movie. You don't need chapters. I love books. <laughs> so back to our get new up, president. Get off my lawn, our new president. <laughs> get off my lawn, our new president. <laughs> no, I thought it's, it's a strong, strong movie. And I, I love that it's, for what it's worth, I don't want to do a lot of festival inside baseball, but I, I think it's a great movie to have on the first day. I love yeah. that people are going to stumble out to see their first movie, and it's going to be a found footage documentary right. um, that really trusts you to follow the bouncing ball of all these disparate types of footage and, and decipher all the ventriloquism that's going on with mm-hmm. the filmmaker and what he's showing. Yeah, um, so that's, that's a good pretty term. Cool. Yeah. No, and, and that aspect, there's a few, that and a... And a, and a the ventriloquism, which is, uh, I, I like that way of describing it, and several other aspects of the film make me tentative to talk about, not because I don't have a reaction, a response or reaction or feelings, but because they're complicated. I, I think it's a very smart film, and it's also, a for, for me, I was actually surprised by this kind of emotionally grueling film um, because I just yeah, find it hard. True. It's funny. It's aggressive. There's kind of, and there's just another thing about being opening night film. There's something that's very kind of almost punk about the way that it's constructed. There's music that's kind of contrapuntal. There's a lot going on in there. And I just found that all of it a bit brutalizing. And that's not a necessarily a negative thing. I just found it a bit brutalizing to be living in this moment and to sort of have this kind of tonal you know, toss salad being put out there because um, I think those are reasons why I might admire this film greatly, but it's also why my experience of watching it was, was difficult. Um, I just, I, I, there's no way, there's no easy way to find, you can't really find ground in this film because it's switching from clip to clip um, and kind of tone to tone pretty quickly. Yeah, and it just induces this feeling of helplessness, sure. both the manner of it and, and the content of it, which is, hey, <laughs> you know, you just feel helpless before all this 
propaganda that was just being spewed out and you can't really, there was nothing you could have done about it, even if you wanted to, you know, it's not like you could write an angry letter to RT and there's a dystopian quality to it, Absolutely. um, except it actually happened, what they were all mobilizing to do. And then there's another, there are also all these other little details that I wasn't, you know, familiar with, but you, the RT, again, Russia Today, this state sanctioned state seemingly state guided sure. network has all these western anchors on oh, it yeah. and they just like they, oh yeah who just look like that's been their strategy from the beginning yeah okay well you maybe yeah maybe you know about more about that yeah well it, it premiered in 2005 which coincidentally is the I mean it came it, it premiered basically almost as soon as I came back from Russia because I lived in Russia 2004 2005 and then it premiered I want to say fall or early winter 2005 and I was fat I was riveted I you know but you know 12 years ago I used to have cable television um and I was riveted to it because I was just fascinated by how banal it was it was aggressively banal as if it was just another CNN spin-off and it was almost entirely anchored by Westerners or people with or, or Russians with very very good Americanized or Anglicanized right, anglicized, anglicized excuse me yeah. anglicized accents and you know it was clearly going to be used for propaganda but they're basically being as as straightforward as they possibly could be to get into every cable provider you know Sky TV American Cable all of it so that now in 2016. Um, it had been fully the table had been fully set for them to be the, the Fox News of, of 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 Russian international news network. Yeah, and then they do the thing like, you know, man in the they have one. There's one segment of man in the street in interviews and people just parroting back the the, the yeah. you know perception of Hillary as being you know weak or something like that. Or demon like 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 demon demon like she's a yeah. demon person. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, depressing. <laughs> it really is depressing, but it's it's but it's invigorating. Also, I always find like a good found footage film to be pretty invigorating because sure. there's there's such um, creative energy behind putting all that together in a way that holds together for for a feature. Right. Um, but, I agree. But uh, yeah, damned if that isn't pretty terrifying stuff. So you saw one more film that I didn't see. This I evening, did. So maybe you should tell me one about more documentary. It. Yeah, which I'll maybe get through for our as we. Um, Going to our final laps here. The movie I saw was 306 Hollywood. And the title is, I want to say it's a street actress. Uh, it's a movie done by brother-sister filmmaker pair, I believe. I that's right, yeah. And about their grandmother and her house. And uh, they started filming her in early 2000s, filmed her for 10 years. And then they basically undertook a kind of archaeological look at the house and its contents and her life. And the film is made up of other footage of her and of all these objects that they come across in her house. And it was a film that genuinely fuddled me and I didn't really know what to think about because there are times where I thought it was dumb. <laughs> and then there were times I thought it was somewhat clever. And then there were times where I thought it was quite profound. And I haven't quite gotten that whole mix in a documentary lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is because it's a movie that's it's about materiality and materialism, materiality and memory and how we identify ourselves through things and how we, do, we ourselves do or do not live on with, through our bodies. And it's kind of poking at this from different angles, but it's doing it through 
a weird mix of like really conventional kind of cloying mm. documentary methods and the music is just always ruining things every other turn and these kind of more more gallery art like ways of of thinking and of conceptualizing a person's life um mm. you know i think there's like a, a japanese photographer who takes took pictures of like all the contents of his apartment and you know it, periodically the movie would evoke artists like that for me and it also has a few talking heads who are shown on tvs or projected mm -hmm. so another way of like framing people and disembodying them but in some interesting way but they're in they're within the frame of a, a they're, they're within a real space within, you're not cutting to yeah, a talking head exactly yeah um one of them is alan lightman who uh, you might the know author. as the author of einstein's dreams which is I don't know, a big book for me in high school and college. And in fact, he kind of rehashes a little bit of Einstein dreams uncredited huh. during the movie. Um, and the grandmother, though, is, is like, he's, she's just a wonderful character. So the movie kind of coasts along no matter what's happening. Okay. She's just kind of like, you know, she was a fashion designer. Her husband was an accountant who wrote angry letters to newspapers. And she's just so, she has this matter of fact, bluff, like wisdom and just seen it all, but just very warm hearted and just a wonderful way of pithily expressing herself. And a lot of it's just her sitting and like pronouncing on things. It gets by with just her for a lot of time. Mm. The filmmakers put themselves in the film. That's another element of it. Eric, I actually can't wait to hear what you think about okay. this movie. Okay. Um, no, I'm, I, I really want to see based it. Based on all these elements. So they're in the film. I don't know that they always need to be in the film. Mm -hmm. They show themselves, you know, sorting through things in the house then they have flights of little flights of fancy that I don't think always work out, like dressing up people in the grandmother's dresses and having them do little pirouettes. I mean, I, I still, then I come back that I do kind of admire it because they're trying to come at different angles, like a, these pretty complex and hard to grapple with ideas of like being a bunch of molecules in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like a movie about, we have our grandmother, we went through her stuff and she was so crazy and, you know, um, so it's, it's a, it's a funny sort of film that's smuggling a lot in, I think, but also is made in a way that kept on bugging me. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how people see it. The, the filmmakers, for what it's worth in their introduction, they said they wanted to make a magic realist documentary. I think that's kind of a red herring. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I don't, that's, this is, must be some definition of magic realism. I don't really know because I don't think that's really what's going on in the movie. Right. I think they were kind of finding a tagline for it, but that doesn't take away from what they did. So that's 306 Hollywood that came out today, uh, or came out today, screened today, <laughs> came out today for its day-long run. Where does that leave us? That leaves us for the end of uh, Thursday. I mean, I'll, uh, it's a, it's a unseasonably warm here. It's in the it 40s. Is. I yeah. walked all the way to downtown from condo a fair distance away and it was incredibly pleasant yes. and tomorrow it's supposed to snow so the traditional sundance weather is going to arrive it's tomorrow to arrive. And all the people who are not skiing because they're seeing movies will be missing out on skiing i've never skied in 13 years here uh me neither i i i, I i'm just i just know i would break one or both legs either <laughs> mine or other people's so it doesn't seem wise at least i do i would have to do it at the end of the trip and then could just sit and be an object of sympathy for half a day until I'm wheeled off and it's just dumped the, in a ditch somewhere. It's one of the great ironies of this festival that it happens smack in the middle of great skiing season <laughs> right. and all the hotels are 
in an all like all the locals have left town to cede their condominiums to the likes of us so that we could not use the slopes and instead go to high school gymnasiums high school auditoriums yes to see the future of cinema yes the future of cinema is now I'm just going to make one mention of a little movie. <laughs> okay. Just for the heck of it, since I, you know, I saw it. It was called Loveling. And it's, it's a cute Brazilian movie about a family. It's solid, sort of bounded drama. Um, has an appealing um, lead character who plays the mother. Or rather, lead actress who plays the mother. That's about all I can say about it. But, all right. Okay. You, you know, it's the thought that counts. <laughs> Very leveling, uh, <laughs> but leveling. I, I hope to see it. Yes, and and we'll see it, and of course, you know, we'll see the rest of our movies covered in, in, in snow, which makes you fight for the movies, which then doesn't make you value them more. I was Maybe. thinking about that. I don't know. It could make you resent them. could make you resent them Because you had more. to work Definitely so hard does. and then you don't like it, it or might it could make your, you value it. It yeah. might change your viewing habits too because it kind of encourages one Sundance strategy, which is pick a theater and stick with it, mm-hmm. which is not a bad strategy. Unless and, you pick the wrong theater. Unless you pick the wrong theater. So, everyone. Well, I was very happy to be in my favorite venue this evening for our new president, which is the Egyptian Theater. Oh, the Egyptian. Which is the one theater on proper downtown uh, Park City on Main Street. And it has kind of a handmade Egyptian theater quality to it that I find very, very charming. It feels like the, you know an Egyptian theater on a Main Street of Park City, Utah. It, it all feels right. And uh, I dig it there. Egypt, of course, home of cinema, spawned <laughs> so many Egyptian theaters. We'll end there. Yeah. From Park City to Egypt. Thank you for listening again live from the Autograph Collection Hotels, Hotel Park City. This is the Film Comment Podcast signing off for day one of the Sundance Film Festival. See you all tomorrow, everybody. See you tomorrow. The Film Comment Podcast from Sundance is sponsored by Autograph Collection Hotels. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else, 